So we just got done talking with Eden Gold. She is um, a motivational speaker, former volleyball player, um, coach, and uh, um, oh my gosh, she's just like a young, like a prodigy, like motivational speaker. Yeah, mental (laughs) health advocate. Yeah, yeah, mental health advocate. I totally forgot that part too, mental health advocate. Um, She just, that was really fun talking to her. She just has a really amazing story too. I feel in... um, She's so young and she's been through so much in her life already. Um, I just, I can't wait to see, you know, what amazing things she's going to do. I'm definitely going to follow her and see how she's doing. But that was a really, really interesting conversation for sure. I loved it. Yeah, it was was great. And I I think hearing her story and and how she battled with an eating disorder when she was young and um, as she was playing volleyball and how that affected her on and off the, off the court was really interesting. And, I think it'll be a good episode for any any coaches or athletes. Like if you're an athlete and you have teammates that are dealing with some of these things, it's gonna I think it's gonna help you maybe be more aware of yeah. your teammates and, and what's going on with them at a deeper level. And same with coaches. You know, I'm sure a lot of coaches out there have had athletes that are dealing. I mean, we're all dealing with stuff, right? But right. sometimes the things that we're dealing with are even in even deeper. And so yeah. sometimes when we get wrapped up in the X's and O's and the and the wins and the losses, I think sometimes as coaches, we can, you know, we can miss those things because our, our focus is so, um, it's so aimed at something different at the wins and the losses, like I said, but, um, this is definitely gonna be one that I think will challenge, uh, coaches and athletes to really be aware of all of their teammates and their entire team and, and what they're going through. So I think it'll be really yeah. good. And I think, uh, yeah, Eden's definitely passionate and, um, I think she's going to have a, a great speaking speaking career and uh, mental health coach as well. Yeah, you guys definitely won't be bored. She's, I think she's very captivating the way she speaks. So hope you guys enjoy. I know that we enjoyed the conversation. So yep. cool. Here's Eden. See ya. Peace. Now it is time. Now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Character Combine. Character Combine. Yeah, you're ready. Yeah, you're ready. When he goes beyond the scoreboard, the scoreboard. Coaches, coaches, I want you to have the type of voice, type of voice that your athletes will hear. Decades later, and still recognize the leadership that you hold in their life. In their life. In their life. Get this thing. Get this thing started. Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto, and I am Deb McCollum. And today's guest is a former volleyball player, a motivational speaker, a YouTuber, and a mental health advocate, Eden Gold. How's it going? I'm feeling very grateful today. I'm feeling very blessed and, and honored. That's the best way I can describe it. I wouldn't rather be anywhere else but here. Thank you. Awesome. Not many, not many people say that. You know, I they, know. They, they, thanks for having me, stuff it's like very that. Appreciative. But I know where yeah. she like wants to be here. That's pretty good. I know. I get that often. I'm, still, I'm a little <laughs> nervous. I'm not going to lie. I can feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be nervous. Just, I mean, watch how we roll and you'll be fine. We mess yeah, up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All the time. So, oh, yeah. No, we're excited for this. Uh, we were just we were just talking before we started recording. So you were actually recommended to us by our good good friend Kevin Bracy, uh, who we've had on the show multiple times. And I was telling you that anytime Kevin recommends someone or something to me, um, I take that really seriously. So I, I do think that speaks a lot to uh, the person that you are and your your skills and talent and ability and all that. So uh, we're definitely excited to have you on. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, cool. Let's do it. So 
We, uh, we like yeah. to start off our guests with three warm-up questions. So Deb's got those for you. So I hope you're ready. This is the hard-hitting stuff. Ooh, the stuff I'm not ready for, okay? That's right. They're not supposed to be hard. <laughs> I say this to every guest. I'm like, these are supposed to be fun, easy, like lighthearted questions. But sometimes I, some guests are like, I don't know. Like, and I feel so bad. I'm like, I, that question wasn't meant to be difficult, but we'll see how you roll. These should be okay. So though, I'm trying to get better at picking my warm-up questions so that they're not so difficult. Anyway, okay, the first one. Here I go. We ramble all the time. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the first one. Um, so, well, the question is pretty much is, what is something you're obsessed with? So while you think about that, for example, I'm obsessed with mermaids. I think all of our listeners know it if they've listened enough by now. Think, and if you follow point, my I Instagram... So. I love mermaids so much. I'm, I think I'm 12 years old again. I don't know what it is. I just can't. Anyway, and um, and I think it's the only thing I'm obsessed with. Anything. Anyway, is there something that you're just totally and completely obsessed with? Yeah, fuzzy blankets. Oh. Sure. Oh, she was ready. <laughs> fuzzy blankets. She... My skincare routine. Um, I love a good uh, coffee skin scrub. Oh. Love, I love. love I'm obsessed with love too. Spreading love. Receiving love is nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's nice too. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Her answers okay. were way less shallow than mine. I love it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Com- compared so- to mermaids? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I love love. <laughs> that was good. That's okay. great. Good answers she for sure. You have that ready. I know. Yep. Okay, so this next question is, so with the weather's crazy right now, it just kind of made me, this is how I thought of this question with it raining all of a sudden, but if you can pick just one season, just to be the season all year long out of like winter, spring, summer, fall, which one would you pick? I would pick fall because as much as I love summer, I get over the heat after a certain period of time and I just want to feel cozy. I want to feel like the crisp air yeah. when I walk outside, uh, fall. I don't want to yeah. be too you know? I love it. That makes sense. Well, she loves cozy blankets or fuzzy blankets. So that makes sense. Right? I kind of said, I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It set her up for that question. Yep. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Okay. The last question is a staple question of mine. I ask every single guest this question. The big one. Um, It's a big one. Yeah. Um, I, I love music. I'm obsessed with music. I think music speaks to people's souls. Um, Is there, so I call it your life song. So I always ask our guests, like, what is, like, can you pick a song that's like your life song? Um, sometimes guests pick two, or maybe you just want to pick a song that's speaking to your life right now. Because we all go through different se- different seasons, you know, of you know, within yeah. our life. So, is there a song like just like off the cuff, off the cuff that you can think of that kind of speaks yeah. to who you are right now? Hallelujah. Oh, nice. Okay, there you go. That's the song I always go back to. That's a. Uh the first song me and my boyfriend right now he's actually been my best friend for years but found out this year that we're soulmates isn't that fun but um (laughs) that's the first song we sang together so it's kind of our our song i just i love it that is awesome don't ask me to sing please though so oh no we won't do that to you okay (laughs) it's okay maybe if you you come back maybe we will (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah well i mean that was like they, I think she did like one of the best jobs with the moment questions. All done. Good job. That was good. That was super I know. quick. She had her answers. She was like, oh, I know this. That's great. Good job. Nice job. <laughs> <You> survived. <laughs> so now the rest of it's easy. 
what's going on in my brain. So when you said you had questions, I was like, oh God, now I'm going to have to try and remember what I like and remember what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I'm proud of myself too. Yeah. So yeah, we're good. Good. yeah we got a hand go. clap there. Nice job. So we like to uh, start off all of our guests with basically the same question. And that is, uh, give us a little bit of the background of your athletic, you know, your athletic background and kind of how you got to where you are now. My mom always put me in gymnastics, sports, little things here and there growing up, taekwondo. None of them ever really stuck with me. Uh, just kind of one of those phases growing up, trying to try a bunch of different things. And I really found my place playing volleyball after my sister started playing volleyball and my sister's two years older than me. So tried out in fifth grade, got cut. I was heartbroken. My poor little like eight-year-old self was just so sad. And then played in sixth grade, seventh, eighth, nine, 10, 11, 12. And then my first year of college I played and I played four years of season. It just became my passion so quickly. And, you know, even to this day, I miss it so much. If I'm probably not nearly in as good a shape as I was when I played, but um, I played track. I did hurdles. I did uh, shot put. I did a couple other things in track, but that was, that was more of a side thing. You know, sure. volleyball, was, volleyball was my thing. Volleyball still is my thing. I love it so much. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, sorry, we, we lost Deb. That's okay. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep rolling and hope Deb uh, can hop back on with us. But um, that's uh, that's cool. So it's interesting that you so you tried a bunch of different stuff, but volleyball was just the thing that stuck. Was there a reason why you felt it stuck more so than the other things that you tried? I think I'm always I've always been competitive by nature, and when I was young, I don't really have that many memories of being young because so much happened in my childhood outside of the sports I was doing that I became more so obsessed with, you know, other things like self image and stuff that I, I'm sure we could get into later, but sure. um, volleyball was that one sport that I found that I could enter my flow state in where just the outside world canceled out and I could hone in on something that just made me forget about the world and just made me forget about everything. And also kind of, maybe even release some anger, some built up, you know, cause you're all competitive and stuff. And like, yeah. maybe it's always great, but here I am like, I'm going to kick your butt, like right. all this stuff. <laughs> uh, so that really helped me channel a lot of energy that I had and make a lot of friends too. Sure. So I think that's, I think that's where that came from for sure. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> so it's not like you're still super competitive. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. bad times. I have to check myself and be like, girl, we are not in competition. We are collaborators, not competitors. Um, and then I got to you know, do that little self-talk. Gotcha. That's tough though sometimes, especially with, so I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but with you as a motivational speaker, it's like the idea is that you want to help people, right? Like you're trying to motivate and inspire people, but at the same time, it's also a business. And so you're kind of competitive in that sense. So it's kind of a, it's always a weird balance, right? You completely have to have so much self-awareness and tune in with yourself and check yourself when you have those thoughts yeah. and be like, girl, you, you're channeling energy in a negative way towards something that doesn't need to be that way. How can we turn this positive? So every time I find myself getting competitive of someone sports related or not, I stop myself and I say, I wish them more success. Even if they have more success than me and I'm jealous, I just like bless them and I hope that they go on. And it's really hard to do 
because you're like, man, I wish I could take something from them or they're taking it from me. We always feel like things are being taken from us for some reason, sure. um, especially as, as women. Um, so adding that blessing in just over time accumulates to you being more grateful and being more happy. It really does. Interesting. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. We, our our uh, audiences, athletes and coaches, they're probably hearing that as like, "Ooh, that sounds that sounds like it's gonna be tough for me to, to do." But <laughs> like you said, that's a, that is a good thing, especially when it gets you to that place of gratitude and and being thankful. Um, especially, obviously, around this time of the year when Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Like that's a obviously that's a big part of this season, right? Is being thankful. Um, and we were we were talking about that the other day. Um, Actually, I think it was in our last episode we were talking about that and how how much gratefulness and how much gratitude can just improve everything. You know, I think it, it gives you a, a more clear mind as an athlete or a coach, and it helps you to see things uh, without such clouded vision. And then just every day of life. I mean, obviously with the pandemic right now, um, it would be very easy to get into a place of, of feeling bad for yourself or looking at all of the negative things. But at the end of the day, it's not going to really change anything, right? So if you can get into a positive space, a more thankful, uh, grateful place, and you'll probably be better off in the end, right? Yeah, I believe anybody you come in contact with you can learn from. You could be angry at them. You could think that they're taking something from you. You could think they're mean. You could think they're a bully. You could think they're a better player than you. And that means that, that you suck. But I like to see every encounter that I have on and off the court in sport, out of sport. Um, what can I learn from this person that they're great? Maybe I'm not as, as good as them or my skills aren't as developed. What can I learn from them? Can I study their moves? Can I study what they're doing? Can I study what they're doing? Right? Because if I idolize them, then surely there are some tactics that I can apply to my own life and my own game. So rather than getting angry and feeling defeated, why don't you become curious and open-minded in a non-judgmental way and become the best athlete that you can be by studying them and asking questions. It will allow you to enter this new realm of actually being grateful and actually being happy instead of continuously playing victim over why you don't have the success that you have. Mm. That's really good. That's great. And I think that's really a good thing for any person to hear, especially, you know, like you said, you could be jealous of someone or, and just let that kind of like, uh, stay inside of you and become this negative thing. But if you're able to, you know, take pieces of what they do and use that as inspiration or um, maybe learn from it and grow from it, that's huge. I think so that's, I think that's a great point. I think it's a really good point. And you know what else it, that just came to my head that has been a huge speaking point for me recently is just because somebody has something doesn't mean that you don't have it or they're taking it from you. I know I just said that, but I talk about this a lot when I talk about body image because a lot of what I do is surrounding body image and people will see some person they think is just beautiful on the internet or just just perfect on Instagram and they immediately feel bad about themselves and guilty about themselves. And the same thing can be said about sports. And they think that because this person is beautiful, they start to think that they're ugly. But if you think about it, that doesn't make sense because she is beautiful in turn means that you're ugly. 
that doesn't make any sense. Just because this person's a good athlete doesn't mean that you're a terrible athlete by default. Those don't make sense. So if we can take a step back and separate our emotion from our logic, then we can realize what's really going on here. Hmm. And it's not true. And so you can use that logic to then take, take steps towards working on yourself because the hurt people hurt people, right? So if you're feeling badly about yourself because of somebody else, or if you're wishing bad things upon someone else because they have something you don't, that's a very good indicator that you are not happy with something in your life right now and that you are insecure about it. And you need to take matters into your own hands into changing it through being open and curious. Everything we're going to talk about is going to feed into itself. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Welcome back, Deb. I'm back. Sorry, my wife. <laughs> my entire, I'm so sorry, guys. My entire house, the Wi-Fi went down. I was like texting my roommates and I was like, hey, is our Wi-Fi working? It's not, my computer's not, I didn't know if it was my old computer. And she's like, no, our Wi-Fi is down. And I'm like, okay, let me hop on my phone and just use my <laughs> data because this isn't going to work. No, it's so, all good. We actually were having a great I, conversation without you. It was fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I figured and now I'm like, cool, I don't know what they talked about. So I'm going to ask a double questions, but continue and then I will pick up. Perfect. Well, uh, this would be, I, I didn't want to get into this without you. So uh, okay. as much as I like to give Deb a hard time, I did save the, the um, really important stuff until she got back. So, you know, um, at what point, because like I, we looked, I was looking at your Instagram profile and I noticed that you on there, you say you're an eating disorder survivor. Um, can you explain a little bit about that whole journey of, I guess, when you found out you were, you know, you were having this, this uh, disorder and, and how you kind of healed from it, I guess would be the best way. Just take us to that entire journey. Well, it's funny that you say, when did I find out that it was a disorder? Because I did not until my process of recovery. And I think for a lot of young people, they might be struggling with something, but they don't reach out or seek resources because they don't know they have a problem. Sure. And I didn't know I had a problem until I grew up. And I just learned more as you do when you grow up. And I started realizing oh, there, there's a name for, for what this all is. And then now that I had a name, I had something I could Google search and something that I can learn about. But hmm. before that, I'm isolating myself because I just think I'm this weird alone kid, right? So I grew up with a sister who was two years older than me. I felt my whole life like people picked her over me. So from, from step-parents to my Nana to my cousins, whatever. So I tried to be like her. I tried to dye my hair like her, dress like her, whatever, all of these sort of things. And I think that that's kind of where these feelings of inadequacy started because everywhere I went, I was just treated less than. And maybe if my family, they probably know who they are. If they were to see this, they would disagree. But from the emotional state I was in at that point and being young and vulnerable and impressionable, that's what, that, that was my truth at that time. And so that's kind of where these feelings of inadequacy started. I don't know when exactly it turned into um, me hating my body. But when I look back now, based on everything that I know, I think it all stemmed back from the childhood trauma that I had faced. When I was 10 years old, my dad went to prison on a life sentence without parole. And to this day, my dad has no release date. And 
what I didn't realize at the time was that I think I was looking for ways to blame myself. I was looking for the things that were wrong with me until subconsciously my mind went into full gear on concentrating solely on the way that my body looked until the urge to disgrace and reprimand my body became so volatile that I developed bulimia just a few short years later. And I was bulimic by age 15. Hmm. I was quickly convinced by both myself and my environment that I wasn't good enough just being me. I was convinced I needed to change something, my face, my body, everything. I was so unsure of everything. I was so insecure. Um, And the only thing I knew at that time was that I hated myself. And this is pretty much how I spent the majority of my high school. I was bullied in middle school. I was made fun of. I I had a hard time making friends in high school. All of these things were contributors. But if I look to the root of it, maybe it was an accumulation. But I think the tipping point was when my dad went away and I didn't know how to process it when I was young. Hmm. So I thought, what did I do in my life to lose him? And it just, for me, my pain manifested in my eating disorder. For other people, it could be anger. For other people, it could be drugs. For me, it was my eating disorder. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Um, yeah. Something that I'm always, I'm always curious when there's, you know, we have a guest on that has a, a really intense story where there was a lot of, uh, a lot of pain and struggle is as a, as a former athlete, when you were going through that, do you find, or did you find that that competitive side of you, the part of you that says I can, I can handle this by myself or I can, I don't need anybody else. Um, just keep grinding, keep pushing forward. Do you feel like that, um, made it more challenging to ask for help when you, when you finally got to that point? I think there were moments that I felt empowered and strong and on top of the world. And like, I got this, I got this, but I never made the connection between what I was doing to my body and athletics. And if I really think about it, I thought of them as totally separate entities. But looking back, I can see how my volleyball career was ended prematurely because of the damage I was doing to my body, all of the binging, all of the the purging. And I'm sorry if there's anyone young watching this who might be triggered by anything I'm saying. Um, I was fatigued. I couldn't keep up on the court after a certain point. I had no energy. I was falling asleep in class. I couldn't do my homework. The list goes on. My hair was falling out. Like, I, but I didn't know. I didn't make that connection. Because nobody taught me this in school. Nobody really teaches you the things that really matter outside of math and English and stuff. Sometimes, if you're lucky, or if you were lucky enough to grow up in a household that instilled these things on you. But um, to get back to your question, I'm going off on a full tangent right now. Um, I didn't make the connection between the court and my eating disorder. But what I do know is that I had friends on the volleyball court. I knew that it was my channel, my outlet for my negative energy. And so I looked forward to it. I was excited for it. I felt empowered. I felt strong when I was always made to believe that I was weak and I was less than. This was my place to feel strong. Um, And then when it got to a place where I wasn't excelling, I wasn't doing as well, 
I couldn't keep up. Then it was just a whole other mind trip. I'm like, no, I love this so much. And then I started comparing myself to other players. Like it, um, I still loved it of course, but then I started to maybe think about my nutrition more. And that's kind of where I started making the connection. Yeah. Um, did, so did your, um, your teammates and your friends or since if you were around them a lot, did they, did anyone notice, like, did anyone, um, ever say anything to you? I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and I used to coach softball. So I'm just, I'm always, and I talk about, um, I don't go into depth in eating disorders when I talk to my classes about them. I just cover the basics Mm -hmm. just because I'm like, you guys, I'm not a professional. I don't like, you know, treat, I don't treat these, these disorders, obviously, but if you think someone is don't approach them, but tell an adult. So anyway, it's always like a fine to me. It's like a fine line. You know, you don't want to like insult your friend and go up to them and say, you know, Hey, like, are you, you know, whatever, are you anorexic? Are you bulimic? Like you, that's scary too. Right. Cause it is a serious thing. So did your, yeah. did any of your friends say anything to you or did they notice? Yeah. That, that makes me think of two things. I, I wanted to comment on, on, uh, what you, what you said, but to answer your question, mm-hmm. to put it simply, no, mm-hmm. uh, nobody knew for six years, not, not a single person eventually during maybe the last year or two, you know, my sister started to find out and my mom a little bit, I guess they had known, but none of them ever said anything. Cause they were like, no, it's probably nothing. Um, ju- just the indicators that they had, but nobody was ever, ever certain. And so no one ever said anything. And I was very good at hiding. I was very ashamed. I was like a weird relationship with food. Like I'm so weird. Like that's so weird. Like I don't even want to eat in front of my friends. Like that's, I was embarrassed. I was just embarrassed. I was young. Um, and I felt alone. Like I said, I didn't know that there were resources out there. I didn't know that there was anybody like me. I sure as hell didn't want to tell any parents or coaches or anything like that because the way, the way that a young person sees a parent and a teacher and a coach is just like, like a higher up. Like somebody who was there to, to regulate, to, to set the rules, set the boundaries, but not really a friend and someone that they feel comfortable confiding in. Sometimes, mm-hmm. yes. Most times, no. And so looking back, I can see what I was maybe lacking that prevented me from feeling comfortable enough to open up. And it could have very well been the approach that people took when they talked about those subjects. Um, none of my high school coaches even spoke about it. None of my coaches at all spoke about it until I was in college and my college volleyball coach was passionate about nutrition. So she spoke about it, but you don't need to be an expert in eating disorders or, or, or body image or any of these things Mm -hmm. to create a safe space for young people to talk, saying something, you know, like, Hey, this is something that that's going around. Maybe you have a case study of somebody, you know, I I just want all of you guys to know that, you know, I don't know your story. I don't know your life, but you know, yes, I am your coach. Yes, I am. Cause I was a volleyball coach for two years as well. And I made it my priority to show the girls that they were loved and they were expected, expected, respected. Um, cause sometimes the girls would come into practice with like cuts on their arm and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, Look, I, I, I know I'm your coach. I know I give you rules. I know I give you guidance, but you know, I, I am here for you. I 
Don't be ashamed to tell me something. Don't feel like you're going to get in trouble for telling me something. I might not have all the answers, but I am a friend to you. I am, I am here if you are struggling with anything. And, you know, pressure's off. I just want you to know that the, the ground is safe um, in that way is, is how I would approach it with my volleyball yeah. girl. But <laughs> another yeah. tangent. Um, that's okay. That's a uh, – nobody knew until slowly people started to find out and then maybe the last year or two. And then when that started to happen, uh, a whole lot happened during those last two years of my bulimia. Um, and then I think looking back, it all happened for a reason because it was my, uh, they, my, um, indicators to stop. Like they all came into my life and then I just stopped, but that's a whole other story. Hmm. Yeah. I have a lot of, I don't know. I guess I have a lot of thoughts, um, Me too. on different things you've said. Um, mm-hmm. a couple of them, I'm not sure I want to say. Um, but let me ask you this. So that's interesting what you said about how your coaches didn't realize until you got to college and you had a coach that was really into the, the nutrition side of things and was able to see some of the patterns that you were exhibiting. Um, so I guess this is kind of a question for, Kind of, kind of for you, Deb, I guess, because um, you're, I don't know if you knew this, Eden, but uh, Deb is also not only a coach and a teacher, but she's a strength and conditioning trainer as well. So I imagine that if you, it's easy to say now, but I imagine, Deb, if you had a softball player that was showing similar signs that Eden was showing um, that you could see, obviously not the emotional stuff, because like you said, Eden, you were kind of hiding that stuff, but maybe like the physical stuff and the, the uh, fatigue and stuff like that. Do you feel like you would have noticed something like that? Do you think it takes someone with your background in nutrition and fitness to notice that? Or do you think any coach could potentially see that or should see that? Is this a question for me? It's for you. Yeah. It's sorry. sorry. Yeah, okay. This is a question okay. for Deb. Just a part yeah. of the conversation. Right, okay. right, right, right. Um, I, I mean, me personally, just from my own, I didn't, I haven't gone through anything that on the level that Eden, Eden, that you've gone through, but I have gone through my own, like, you know, stress in life and like not, not eating and not realizing in any way. And then of course I just, my education on, you know, fitness and nutrition. So anyway, that being said, anytime any of my athletes showed any sign of abnormal fatigue or, um, just in just acting weird in general, the first thing I asked them, what'd you eat today? Like that's the first, I just, I automatically, like I'll ask all of them, what'd you guys eat today? What'd you have for breakfast? Like, that's just my go-to. And, um, and it's hard, they either, it's either hard for them to lie or, or they'll just straight up tell me, uh, coach, I haven't eaten anything today. And then that's when they get the lecture from me. And so, um, for me, uh, as a coach, um, uh, I don't, I don't coach softball anymore, but just like with strength and conditioning, that is my huge new, and I'm not a nutritionist. So I would tell them that, look, I can't tell you what to eat, but you need to be eating, um, I would go always go off on a tangent on what how they're supposed to be fueling their bodies, but that was my own personal like. I just kind of knew some signs already, sure. um, and it's something it's something I am passionate about as well, Eden. Um, like I said, nothing as um, you know as uh, your, I, nothing like your journey, but um, something kind of similar. So um, that was just my go-to personally, but um, I I would like to think some. I'd like to think now, hopefully as the 
as the years go by that coaches it's get becoming more and more aware you know what i'm saying and that coaches are recognizing that but yeah. i don't know that maybe some coaches um maybe that's not their top priority like maybe practice plans are their priority but for me that was a priority and that yeah, was like something that i was passionate about and still am Right. That's why I wanted to try like, cause I figure that's, that's kind of an answer that you would give. And so that's what I'm, I'm trying to, I guess, bridge the, the two things. Cause based right. Eden, Eden, based off what you're saying, it sounds like most of the coaches you had, and I'm sure they were great people, but they just weren't really aware. It was like beyond mm-hmm. the X's and O's of the game, they weren't really aware of how their athletes were doing or feeling, which I think is, you know, a lot of times that's the reason we do this podcast is because we, we believe that like, I love winning Deb. I know you love winning Eden mm-hmm. based on our conversation before you love winning. We all love winning, mm-hmm. but there's so much more that goes beyond the, the mm-hmm. X's and O's in the field or the court. And that's the development of young athletes, especially at the youth level or the high school level. Um, and so I don't know, it sounds like there was, maybe that was a big piece that was missing for you, Eden. Does that sound accurate? Yes, 100%. You guys touched on some amazing things. And it's not just coaches, it's it's teachers, it's everyone mm-hmm. in your life. Uh, mental health, talking about mental health, opening up about the things that are bothering us that are that we're struggling with is so taboo in the education mm-hmm. system that we are left with nothing but feeling alone. And like, we have no one to talk to. And sure, there's a counselor or whatever. But again, when you are when you are young, you're, you're embarrassed and you're, you're ashamed. So what it's like telling a high school kid, Oh, like go to therapy. Oh, you're in therapy. People think therapy is weird. You don't realize that having that, that mental health support is actually very normal and very good for you until your adult life. There's things you just don't know until you grow up and you can look back and reflect on your high school years. And so everything I was lacking, which yes, I was love connection, support, somebody to actually hear me, understand me, uh, somebody to like scream to like all of these things. They say a game is 80% mental anyways. Um, I tried when I was a coach to apply those into my practice. So what this made me think of Deborah, when you were talking about how you would give them like a little lecture, whatever, what I did with my girls was they were there 13, 14, 15. We did um, quarterly checkups or like two checkups a year where um, you can see how everyone's doing on the court. But I had an assistant coach. So twice during the season, I would pull each of the girls individually one-on-one because I was the head coach. And I'd be like, here's what you're doing. Great. Here's what you need to improve on. Now, how are you? How do you think you're doing? How do you think you're, you're um, assessing or you're – how do you think you're playing? What do you think is going good? What do you think is going bad? Tell me about your experience on this team because you can see as a coach who's being clicky, who's being excluded, who's feeling this way, who's feeling – you pick up on these energies. Um, and I honestly picked up on the mental side more than the physical side, if I'm being honest. Um, I've always just maybe been a little more in tune with energies. I'm not sure. But that was a really good indicator as to how people were feeling because I had girls come up to me during their time. And they're like, honestly, I'm feeling left out. Honestly, I'm feeling like I'm not getting enough play time. Honestly, I'm feeling like I'm the only one who's like this, or I'm the only one who's like that. And it gives you a good, really good read as to what to do moving forward and spreading that kind of love and seeing how they finally feel heard. They feel like they are important. I never had that. 
I had the popular girls that were the starting players getting all kinds of high fives and cheers. Well, yes, there was times when I was a starter as well. A lot of times I was, but there, I wasn't popular. Um, I didn't have the people in the crowds cheering my name on. Um, and so there was a huge mindset component that didn't allow me to excel as a player either. And the start of an eating disorder is with your mindset anyways. The start of a lot of problems starts in your mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. Did I answer the question? Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Well, and I, I feel like even that you are more in tune with energies um, and emotions and picking that up on people. I can see that in you just because you've been through so much in your life. I feel like, um, you know, sometimes it takes someone going through something and then you, you, you went through all, you went through all of it, the emotional part of it, the physical hurt part of it. And so it may, it makes you a really good, just, I guess, well, not candidate because you're not, you're doing it right now. Like just a really good person just to pick, just to help, you know, young girls and to help people and pick up on those energies. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially because I mean, you're still super young, so you're you're not that far removed Mm -hmm. from, uh, from high school, which is interesting because often on this podcast, we've asked that question about with young coaches or people who started their coaching careers really young. Was it difficult because sometimes when you go back too soon after graduating and you try to coach people that you maybe competed against or competed with, it's challenging, right? Because they don't, they see you still as more of a peer rather than a coach or someone who's, you know, like a higher authority than they are. But in this specific instance, it seems like the smaller age gap would actually benefit you. And it seems like it may have benefited you because you're a little bit closer to their age and you can maybe relate on a closer level. What do you think about that? Does that sound accurate? I 100% agree with you. And I think I had a sweet spot age where they were about seven years difference from me. They were like 13, 14, 15. I was 21, 20, uh, I guess maybe five or so. Um, And they did try and test me. They did try to be a little too buddy-buddy at times, try to be my friend. I'm like, look, (laughs) I'm your friend. I'm also your coach. Don't back talk <laughs> like that kind of thing. But I've always, yeah. uh, the energies that we have was always very, very playful, but they knew who I was because I was mature for my age and I was confident and not everybody is, is 20 years old and, and mature and ready to be a coach. So that can bridge this, this whole gap between you're too much like them. You don't know enough. You haven't learned enough. You haven't developed enough. And that's why I always say I'm close enough to their age to where they, I can relate to them. I, I know what they're doing behind closed doors. I know what they're not telling their parents. I can actually see right through them for the most part. Like, and I've been a nanny all my life. So I just like, I know kids like that. It's crazy. But I, I've learned so much through my journey that I can teach them and I can mentor them and I can be their coach. And I, I just know that about myself. And sometimes you have to dive into it to realize it's for you and it's not. Um, one of the girls who was one year younger than me, she was 19. She was coaching a 17s team. You guys are two years apart. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe that's not the best match there, you know, because yeah, women, yeah. especially, I'm sure this happens in men too, but I was a, a women's volleyball coach. We feel competitive by nature of other women. And mm-hmm. it 
really sad and it, it really sucks, but you almost don't want to take a 17 year old girl almost doesn't want to listen to a 19 year old girl yelling at her, telling her to do something like girl, like who are you to tell me that kind of thing? Like, because you're both at this kind of mature stage, kind of not. Uh, so it's really about how you portray yourself. Cause I could come out here and be like, I'm like, you know, I'm better than all of you. Like, I know so much you have to listen to me, but no, I'm like, okay. Like I said, right when this conversation started, what can I learn from them? Mm -hmm. okay, so I'm like, huh? Yeah. I didn't know that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Simple yeah. as that. I'm not going to be your higher up. I'm going to be your guidance. And that's, that's just what it is. That's simple as that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, makes sense. Good. For sure. Yeah, I think that's good advice for young coaches too, because yeah. yeah, well, and a lot of times young coaches come in all hot and he hot headed and they want to just steamroll everything over because they're trying to be a hard ass. Can I say that, Josh? Yeah, yeah we're good. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> so, so interesting. That's good advice. <laughs> when you are not confident in yourself or when you have not conquered your inner demons, you feel like you have something to prove. So you are trying to make up for what you are lacking. So you act more than when you are confident in yourself, you don't need to prove it because it shows in who you are. It's your character. It just is what it is. Just like someone who is successful, maybe money wise financially, they don't flash everything they got because they know themselves. They're like, this is just who I am. Somebody who's not, and they buy a nice car with whatever money that they scavenged up, they're going to flash it everywhere because they're trying to prove something. You just got to know yourself. Self-awareness. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good. So at, at what point, so obviously you went through, you went through all of this and at what point did you being an eating disorder survivor and your desire to be a motivational speaker connect? Ooh. I, in 2017, I had already tried to stop my eating or I tried to stop binging and purging, tried to start again, had no resources. So every attempt was a failed attempt. Uh, in 2017, I was 19, 18, something like that. Um, me and my family. Okay. Okay. In July of that year of 2017, I got to see my dad for the first time in five years. Um, he was graduating from this prison program. And so it was the first time that I got to touch him since his incarceration when I was 10 years old. Wow. So I have photos, I'll send them to you guys. But wow. that was the first time that I was reunited with him since I was 10. And it was the best day of my life. It was, it was emotional, it was great. His hands were like shackled to his waist so he couldn't really hug me, but whatever, doesn't matter. The next day, we get back. I'm high on life. My boyfriend at the time, uh, the next day, his dad wakes us up and says, your mom is dead. She died of stage four terminal brain cancer the next morning. And so there was a huge shift right there. I thought I was in love with this guy. But he just pushed me away. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, like I'm here for you. Da, da, da. But he convinced me that it was my fault. And he convinced me that he just didn't love me anymore. He didn't like me, like da da da. And I never, 
had understood why girls in movies get crazy when they get dumb. But then I started to realize, I'm like, I feel like I'm going crazy a little bit. Uh, this is not okay. And then uh, that was July, October. In October, the fires happened, the wildfires, Cubs fire. Me and my family lost our house on night one. We wow. had at 1.30 in the morning, Tubbs mm. fire. Uh, we spent seven hours in a gas station parking lot. Mm. We, I, I wanted to believe that our house was like good, but our neighbor's house was on fire by the time we got out of our, our house. Uh, and then my friend calls me and she's like, I just drove past your neighborhood and it's all gone. Like everything's gone. Wow. And I knew at that point that it was all gone. I didn't even care about my eating disorder at this point. I had so many other things to worry about. I just got my heart broken. My house just burned down. The house my family, my parents had like built together, my mom and my stepdad. Um, so I was just, I was partying. I was like blacking out. I was drinking. I was, I was doing like other <laughs> drugs and uh, nothing too, nothing too crazy. But um, I was just flying off the rails. I was like binging and purging and all this stuff. And then, April, fast forward to April, this just went on for a while. Um, I, it was my friend's birthday party, her 21st birthday party. And I didn't sleep at all that night. We were literally up. I, I don't know what your age, the age like of your audience is, but we were up doing cocaine all night and I didn't want to do it, but I ended up doing it and I just didn't sleep at all. And I go home the next morning. And I was so exhausted. Like I had been drinking, eating all everything. And I don't know what it was inside of me, but it was like this animalistic drive that was like, you're going to get your butt up. You're going to go to the store. You're going to buy all the food and you're just going to eat it all. And I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I physically have no energy, but there's this like animalistic drive that takes over your body when you have an eating disorder and when you have an addiction of any kind and you don't really know what it is. But I drove my butt to the store, got so much food, ate it all, and I had never felt so disgusting, so low in my whole life. And that was the day, that, that was my turning point. That was the day that everything, I was like, I have to figure this out. That's insane. Like, this is not okay. So I dabbled with some diets, a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of trial and error. And then I found the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. It just popped up on an ad. My, the health coaching school that I got my license from. And I was like so excited to like learn and stuff. And this was over the course of a year or so. Um, and that's how the journey began. I started going to school. It was online. I started taking notes. I started journaling. I was like health and wellness. Oh my God, nutrition in the body. Like granted, my volleyball career was over. I wish I had learned this five years earlier. Like seriously, now, I, now I'm learning all this stuff. And then I thought I wanted to be just a health coach. And then I got introduced to the world of speaking and speaking about my story through that over the course of three years. And that's why I'm here today now. So much trial and error. Mm -hmm. so yeah. <laughs> long stories wow. long. I, wow. I feel like because you're an athlete that that, like how you said, I just was like, I need to figure this out. Like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Like, I just, I feel like that's a, like, jo like Josh, well, both of you, Josh and Eden, I don't know if, you, can you guys agree to that? Like, I, that's a competitive thing. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That is a sure. help yourself 
this is ridiculous, kick yourself in the butt type right. mentality. And I think that that's what you did. And you're, and you're like, you just couldn't help it. The competitive side of you just kind of took over, it sounds like. And it wasn't always healthy. I will admit that. I would start these diets right. that I thought, I thought I found the answer. Um, and then they ended up being just like so bad. You shouldn't be dieting when you're trying to heal. You should allow all foods. Right. And I would get on this diet and I'm like, you know, ooh, I, competition with myself. Can I eat like this many calories today? Can I, <laughs> can I do this for one day longer? Right. That kind of thing. Um, right. It all led to, you know, where I am. But yeah, definitely competitive with myself, which now it's fun. Now it's fun. Yeah. yeah well, sure. like, yeah, the compet. sorry, one more, like, cause like, as you were talking, it's just made sense. Yeah. The competitive side, that's like your intuition. Like the, like, you just can't explain it. That's just how you feel. The rest of it was just knowledge that you had to learn. Right. So like you didn't know. And that's why you're like, I tried all these fad diets. I didn't get it right. Well, no, but like your intuition still kept saying, okay, fix it. That doesn't work. Okay. That doesn't work either. Fix it. And yeah. so the rest of it was just knowledge. You just had to learn all of it. Yeah, I don't know where that um that in like it it's just you, there. Once you start yeah. to take action, once mm -hmm. you just do one thing, one thing that's following your gut, I mm -hmm. promise you it gets easier from there. I know it's hard. Yeah. I know the voices of the opinions of other mean so much to you when you're mm -hmm. young. And but if you can just do one thing that's following your heart it will get easier and you'll learn that following your intuition is the best thing that you can do for your health, your happiness, your mindset, everything. And then you just start to become a master, a practitioner of your word and of what makes you feel good. Not what Thunderpants 5000 said to you online and what they want from you and like, whatever. <laughs> I hope that's a real person. That would be, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, that's really, really cool. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy story. Um, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of ups and downs and, and unfortunate situations. But the fact that you're, I mean, I think there's been, there's so many people that go through things like that, that allow it to just, just tear them down and, you know, nothing comes of it. But the fact that you're, you know, using all of that experience and using all of that pain and the struggle that you had experienced and, and kind of channeling it into your speaking is incredible because you know people are going to hear that and you're going to have a, a bigger and bigger platform as you continue on with your speaking career and, and it's going to really change a lot of lives so that's that's really cool that you're doing that um yeah Eden you're so young too and I feel like you've yeah. been through so much already yeah. and it's well it's good that you are like you know like you said you're like I'm going to use it I'm going to use it as a platform and there's still so much more ahead in your life just in terms of you learning new things and you know, still, still using the past, you know what I'm saying in terms of like connecting it to today and in the future. So that's really, ex I mean, it's a really good thing that you're going to help people that you are already helping people. I don't know why I was so blessed to recover when I did not everybody gets that chance just in whatever struggles they have. I don't know why I was chosen for this life. I don't know why I was chosen to be on this world, to go through this, to teach people. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why I get to live and others don't. I, I just had a friend commit suicide a couple months ago and I just really put things into perspective. Like, why do I get to live and she doesn't? Why do I get to heal and she does? I don't know, but I know that there has to be a reason and it's to find those people and it's to be a voice for the voiceless and it's to speak 
for the people who have nobody. And it's just all of these things. That's really what be keeping me up at night. Sometimes I'm like, I need to reach everyone all at once. And Kevin Bracey has to be like, he'll, he'll like give me advice. He'll be like, Eden, just so you know, you don't have to do this tonight. I'm like, <laughs> like I need to change the world tonight. And then I like, can't and I'm like, yeah. ah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Hey, that's a, it's kind of a good segue into this next question. And obviously there are a lot of people out there that have, that have gone through similar things that you went through or are currently battling those things right now. And I think it's safe to say that this current pandemic can definitely, it definitely has the potential to amplify those, those negative feelings, right? Because maybe more isolated, uh, maybe lost jobs, just the, the entire situation is, is difficult. So what, what kind of, I guess, words of encouragement or what kind of, um, tips or advice would you have for someone maybe that was in a similar situation that you were in, or they're currently in that situation uh, during this specific pandemic situation? Mm, okay. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> mentally self-awareness. Yeah, I get it. Mentally. We all know. Um, what are the thoughts that you're having that aren't serving you? What times of the day are they coming up? When do you feel the most impulsive desires to do things that maybe aren't the best for you? write it down, get really clear on what, what your triggers are and what is making you unhappy. There's this thing called the circle of life. Look it up. It has every area of your life, joy, physical activity, finances, uh, health, uh, whatever, like all these things. And you put a dot on it, depending on like your level of happiness in that area. I recommend you look it up on Google, um, do the exercise and figure out where you're lacking or what is not where it should be. Um, so that'll give you a good idea of where you need to go and where you need to start to change things. The second thing you need to do is plan, put things into practice, brainstorm. What are some things that you can do to either replace a bad habit that you don't want to do anymore? Or what do you want to start to do, but you haven't had the motivation to do? Just let your brain fly, journal, journal it out. And the goal with this is to get into what I call a flow state, like we talked into earlier. Uh, when you start journaling, when you start working out, when you start writing, when you start doing whatever, painting, there, there's a, a period of time when you're like, this sucks, this isn't working. This sucks, this sucks, this sucks. But after five minutes of pushing through that, that lump, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20, whatever, you will, you will physically notice it or you won't because you just enter into this state called a flow state where all of the outside noise gets canceled and you are channeled into an activity that is serving you. So whenever you have a bad habit, maybe it's binge eating, instead of binge eating, I want you to take out a journal and just write about what I don't care. Write about how you don't know what to write about. Because after uh, however long that period of time is, you will enter that flow state. Same with working out. It's painful for a, a, a little bit, but then you enter that flow state. So you want to enter that flow state is what I'm saying. Um, and then the times when you don't feel motivated or you're maybe feeling depressed or low, you need to find a community. You, you cannot do this alone. You need to go on Facebook. I mean, I always say you need, but you should, I, I advise you, Kevin, always <laughs> tells, stop telling people what to do. It makes people not want to do it, but I'm like, no, you <laughs> yeah, he's got a good point. <laughs> hey, sometimes I need that. So I appreciate some of that Eden. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. seriously. And when you do this, I want you to, let me know. Head up to my Instagram, Eden Gold underscore. Let me know. Uh, plug. But, um, so go on Facebook, 
whatever it is you're struggling with, are you overweight and wanting to lose weight? Are you struggling with an eating disorder? Are you struggling with anxiety? Whatever it is, there's a Facebook group for it. I promise you that. I have a Facebook group called I Love Myself, and it's teaching people the things we were never taught growing up. You can join it if you want. Um, but there's a Facebook group for everything. Find some pen bells. Talk in there. You realize that you are not alone. You are not alone. You are never alone. Whatever you're feeling, it might seem new to you, but I promise you it's nothing new and someone has the answer out there and you need to find that answer. And then, hmm. so yeah, self-awareness, what are your triggers? Get into a flow state, start doing an activity to replace a bad activity. You can't just stop an activity. It needs to be replaced with something else. And then you need a community. You need, you need people. Um, I had another good one and I can't think of it. I'm bummed. <laughs> yeah. That was great though. I seriously that was pretty good. Yeah. I just now was in like the past like minute or two of you, you know, saying all that. <laughs> My mind, I was like, I feel like I'm in like on a spiritual wellness call right now, like a like a like an appointment. Like I'm like, I feel like she's like my count my guidance counselor and she's <laughs> telling me this is what you need to do this week and this is how you can find balance. Like oh, yeah, right. you <laughs> <made me laughs> the last one. like this that's what it feels like. You may give the last one. Um if this is overwhelming, the first thing you're gonna do is just brain dump all the thoughts that you have in your brain because there's this crazy thing where we think we're so stressed out and don't have enough time. But the mm -hmm. truth is is that your mind is too crowded so you feel like there's not enough time. But it's not physical time, it's brain time. So brain dump everything. And when you get it out on a sheet of paper, this magical thing happens where it's not in your brain anymore. And then you just don't think about it because it's not in your brain. So then you're going to brain dump, then you're going to do those three steps. And then you're going to pull out your Google calendar. And then you're going to physically schedule in when you're going to do these things. And listen, start small, build, build on yourself. We're not talking A to Z, we're talking A to B. If you're a beginner athlete or something, and you're looking at a professional and you're like, oh, I'll never get there. Forget them. They're like, quit comparing your day one to somebody's day 100. What is the next step? It's consistency. Put it in your schedule twice a week when you're going to run, three times a week, whatever. If your health is not, mental health is not good, okay, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm going to call my best friend. I'm going to call my mom. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm going to meditate. That's it. Set it and forget it. Put it in your calendar. If prepare to plan or plan to fail. Yep. Love it. That's it. That's it. That That's great. That was, like make, a drop, that was like a drop the mic moment. <laughs> like, I would say it makes sense can, that you want to be a motivational speaker for sure. I can feel it. She can just take over the pod. She could just take over the podcast for us, Josh. We don't Not need much. to be here. This has been one of the conversations <laughs> I've had in a long time. I get so passionate about this stuff and it's not every day. People will like match you. You're usually just preaching to people and like people get sick of it. But um, no, this conversation was great. If you guys ever just want to chat or yeah. anything, I, I'm here for you. I think you guys are my friends now. Awesome. Well, we, yes. definitely, we definitely appreciate that. No, we appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so that was awesome. I'm really interested in hearing your, your answer for this last question that we've got for you before we wrap this thing up. It's the, the question that we like to end with because it is called the Character Combine Podcast. So character being in the title, we like to ask everybody, uh, how would you define character and why is it so important? I would say character is 
what other people see you as. Character is what you exude to the world. Character is not what you tell somebody you are, who you try to say you are, who you try to make yourself out to be. Character is what just is. It is what just shows. It is who you just are. And we all, I think there's more good in the world than bad. Um, And if you are not happy with who you are now, first of all, that doesn't mean someone else thinks the same way. You might just be feeling bad about yourself, but if you're genuinely like a bad person, then like people are going to know it too. Um, but you can be a good person and feel low about yourself. And that energy will also shine off onto other people. So if you are feeling bad about yourself, you need to work on yourself so you can really embody who you know you are. Because if you're feeling bad about yourself, it's you probably have these voices inside of your head that are telling you all kinds of crazy BS. Like you're unworthy. You're not loved. You're too big, like whatever. But if you're alive today, if you are here today, it is because you know that there is something inside of you that is keeping you here. You know, there's more to your life. If you watch this podcast, you know, there's more to your life. You might not be able to you might have not unlocked it yet, but you are here because you know that it's there. And that right there is your character. That just is what it is. You, you know that it's there. And so you need to unlock it. Um, so you can believe in it as well, but that character will certainly be shown to other people. Um, and then the second part of that question was, what was the other part? <laughs> so, and, and why is it so important? I feel you kind of answered it already yeah. just in your, in your first part. But um, yeah, basically it's just what yeah. is it to you and why is it so important? So I think you got it. <laughs> I, really, I really go on tangents sometimes. That's for yeah. sure. Hey, you're on the right podcast because we do that all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we're known for. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I hope, I, I hope that helped for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I definitely think there's either a, an athlete who's listening to this or a coach who is around athletes all, all the time that heard this and heard your story and is going to be hopefully going to go when, you know, when things open up again and practices are, are going and they're around their athletes again, are going to be more aware of, of the mental state of their athletes and their, you know, just how they're doing, you know, away from the, the strategy of the game and aware away from, you know, all of that, but like how they're just doing as people. I think a lot of people are going to be challenged and inspired by everything you just said. So, um, man, we definitely, we definitely appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. I yeah. am so thankful for you guys. You guys are so awesome. I'm literally sitting here sweating, but I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> That's awesome. I say one last thing. Yeah, please. Any coach out there, you have the answers. You, you don't need to have the answers to know what to say is what I'm saying. But if yeah. I do think that, uh, touching on mental health to all of your students or touching on, on these harder things to talk about is very important. And if you're feeling like you, you don't feel like you are um, in a place where you can say that, uh, or you don't feel qualified to say that, I think, like I said earlier, uh, collaboration, not competition. Maybe you want to bring in somebody you know who's in the mental health space to come in and give a little motivational speech. My stepdad brought me in. He's a high school volleyball coach. He brought me in to give his students a motivational speech. I told them my whole story. Maybe we need coaches to bring in bring in a speaker to their school for just like a half hour, just some volunteer work, nothing, no pressure. You know, I talked to Kevin about wanting to speak for uh, sports teams and he's like, people don't pay for that. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. They need to hear this. Student mm-hmm. athletes need to hear this. They need to be confident on the, on the court. It's a mental game. So maybe consider bringing someone in who has a motivational story that they overcame to your, to your people just for 30 minutes, virtual or not. So just, just an idea. Mm-hmm. Love it. 
You heard it, coaches. So if you're looking for a speaker, uh, yeah. we've got one lined yeah. up. Eden Gold. Get a hold of our get a hold of our girl Eden. Yep. That's what, yep. Hey, so just to make sure they can get a hold of you, yeah. uh, where where can they find you on social media, websites, all that stuff? Yeah, my uh, my Instagram is e d e n g o l d underscore. My email, you can send me any questions, any anything, Eden Gold Inquiries at gmail.com. And my website is I am Eden Gold.com. Uh, Eden Gold on YouTube. So many free resources there for anybody who needs it. Uh, Eden Gold. And Facebook group is I Love Myself Facebook group. And yeah. There you go. If you can't Perfect. find her, you're not trying. That's what I would like to say here. So, yeah. Dad, where can they follow us? You guys can follow us on Twitter at Sports Character. We're on Instagram at Character Combine. We're on Facebook. And um, we have a YouTube channel. And did I skip anything else? Nope, that's like it. Something. That's it? Nope, you got it. You got yeah, it. Yeah, Eden, thank you so much. This was awesome. And yes, you were you definitely made to do this because that, yeah. I mean, like I said, I feel like I was listening to my like emotional, like wellness coach just now. So you did a great job. Yeah, thank absolutely. You. I <laughs> means a lot to me. The feedback means yeah. a lot because all I want to do is, is improve every time. Yeah. You That's did awesome. awesome. Love it. So thank you so much and uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Yeah. Got it. You too.